time to delve into the world of coaching. Before I start, just to offer some reassurance, I got my coaching qualification from Oxford Brooks in 2010 and I coach pretty much on a, on a weekly basis, typically working with others to improve performance or personal development goals. Plus, I regularly design and deliver coaching programs for large corporates too, so you're in safe hands, I promise. It's also worth highlighting, in addition to this podcast on coaching, which obviously forms a part of the broader theme of leadership, I've created an additional separate podcast series on coaching, which explores this theme in much greater depth and introduces a number of additional themes such as contracting and the exploration of psychological theories and models that can actually take your coaching to even greater levels of impact. So please do go and check those out after you've finished this series. Plus, I'll have turned those coaching podcasts into video lessons, which will also be available on my website or udame.com. So if you prefer a more visual approach to your learning, go check those out too. You just need to type my name into the search on Udame, which is spelt U-D-E-M-Y, by the way. Right, let's get back to this podcast. And while there's no getting away from the fact that there's a lot of theory as part of this session, I'll ensure I bring the topic alive with some real life examples too. I think to start, it's probably worth mentioning how coaching differs from mentoring, therapy and counselling, as this does often get asked. So let's just cover that quickly, then I'll lay out the story regarding uh, the content. So it's best to think of mentoring as a two-way street. So that typically means that the mentor is an expert in their field and they share their wise insights and provide guidance. So they're actually sort of telling somebody, this is what you should do. I've done it. This is the experience I've had. But while the mentor is an expert, um, actually, the those being mentored also have something to offer. So, for example, they've perhaps got social media skills that the mentor lacks. Now, therapy tends to be more longer term, with a focus on perhaps a healing disorder, for example, anxiety, and the introducing of coping strategies that can be practiced and applied. And then counselling, that focuses on a specific issue. So, for example, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder or, or a marriage breakdown. Interestingly, though, there's a key denominator. I'm wondering, have you spotted it? All involve two people, one asking another questions that prompt the other to think or explore their worlds differently. Now, I highlight this because at times when I teach coaching courses, I hear concerns along the lines of, oh, Tom, I'm, I'm not an expert in what the other person does, so how, how can I possibly coach them? Or what if I don't know what to ask or I run out of questions? What, what, you know, what am I going to do? So if that's you, please don't worry. While coaching isn't about giving advice, it is 100% about listening and asking powerful questions. Probably, fair to say, both those things you've done countless times with multiple people. You just didn't call it coaching. So what I'm saying is, don't beat yourself up. You're, you're probably a natural at this. What you've got here will just help you to refine your approach. So what is it we're going to cover? Okay, well, we'll look at what makes an effective coaching relationship. I'll introduce you to what's called the GROW model, G-R-O-W, and you'll get to use it. We'll look at the opportunities to coach in the workplace, and I'll also share tips and techniques to help avoid common pitfalls. If you're thinking, though, hold on a minute, Tom, how's this even going to work? Coaching lends itself to practical application. I totally agree. <laughs> I, can't encourage, I can't encourage you enough to apply all of this stuff as soon as possible. 
uh, you'll have to sort of kind of get creative with how you approach it. But I'd suggest going through these sessions just to get a well-rounded view of the core skills first, then just get out there and start to apply it. Now, to help the learning process, I've broken down each of the key areas that I've just mentioned. So a kind of bite-sized chunk approach. That way you can just dip into each really quickly and then refresh yourself. Okay. Now, before we identify what a great coaching relationship looks like, why don't you just pause this podcast and take a moment to think about your team members. Who will totally be up for the opportunity to be coached and who won't? And more importantly, ask yourself, why is that? Why that difference in mindset? Welcome back. So how did you get on then pondering your team members? It's an interesting one, isn't it? How some people are open-minded to improving themselves and others kind of less so. Now, clearly, I'm hoping you've a team full of coaching advocates, but I do understand that's not always the case. So just to reassure you, we'll explore what's available to us to get past that challenge a little later. Right, okay. Let's look at creating that coaching dynamic, the building of a quality relationship, which is obviously an essential element if we're to coach others effectively and deliver results. Okay, let's get into the detail. In a moment, I'll introduce you to a model which outlines how our relationships build with others. I'll talk through it, bring it to life, and then we'll look at how we can tap into opportunities for coaching within the workplace. Now, just picture in your mind a triangle. And the triangle represents the stages of connection we have with another. Now, we're on a podcast, me asking you to visually picture certain things isn't ideal. But if you imagine a triangle and it's divided up into five different stages, at the very bottom would be the ritual and cliche zone. And what I mean by that is, aside from being someone's manager, your connection with them has never perhaps gone beyond, well, hey, weather's not great, is it, today? Or... Ah, oh, did you watch that thing on Netflix last night? <laughs> you know, one would hope that your connection with those people that uh, report to you is, is, has gone slightly beyond that. So that is the very basic stages of connecting with another person. So if we take it to the next stage, the next stage may be that you are you know that they're in a partnership or that they're married and that they do or don't have kids, that they go on holiday to Dubai every year. So it's just basic stuff about them. There's no level of depth as to what makes them tick or drives them. However, the next stage up on the triangle is opinions and beliefs. And so what we're talking about here, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll bring this to life with three themes just to highlight how important this stuff is. OK, so how likely is it these three things, given the opportunity, could create a real mix of opinions? Trump, Brexit and vaccines. Fair to say each of these could easily stoke quite a debate. Now, why am I highlighting this? Because sharing of personal opinions and beliefs comes with an element of risk. You, know, you might feel that you're going to be ridiculed by having the opinions that you've got. But also, uh, it comes with the building of trust. As in, by sharing this stuff, what's going on in your mind, you'll be taken seriously or perhaps treated with greater respect. So if we take this back to the depth of connection you've got with your team members, developing this level of connection so they feel comfortable in sharing their opinions and beliefs is going to require trust. So those team members who don't open up to you, perhaps there's a trust issue. Does it mean you can't coach someone? Absolutely not. But trust is an essential ingredient. The more trust, the more open and honest the coaching conversation. And in turn, from a coaching perspective, 
the greater the opportunity for coachee in terms of self-awareness and personal and professional gains. As that trust continues to build, so too does the potential to connect at an even more emotional level. Now, one final thought. If you have a scenario where you have a team member with huge potential, but you're facing stiff resistance from them because coaching, in inverted commas, to them is almost a dirty word, then coach, but don't call it coaching. There's going to be multiple opportunities to coach in the workplace. Very often, it's easy for us to think that the only time that we can ever coach is part of an appraisal, maybe a one-to-one at the start of the year where you can have a proper sit down and it's all very formal. But actually, there's opportunity to be able to coach in the moment too. So literally a one, two, three-minute conversation where you're not even expecting to get an instant reply. But the purpose being is to simply plant that seed to get another person thinking as to what they could do to change or shift their behaviours. For example, that might sound like, I'm wondering, how might you take the success of that and apply it to that? Or perhaps there's the opportunity to sit down prior to somebody going into a meeting or doing a presentation for a client or a key stakeholder, 10 or 15 minutes to have a coaching conversation, perhaps to establish the measures of success. It's not to say a more formal one-to-one coaching conversation as part of an appraisal isn't essential too. And that might be perhaps linked to longer term personal and professional goals. So here's the next activity. Hit pause now on the podcast. Take time out and consider this. What are the pros and cons to each of those approaches in your workplace? Think about a situation you've got coming up or perhaps one that recently happened where you could have coached. What powerful coaching questions can you come up with that will or would have made a difference? Welcome back. I think it's important to remember there's going to be a time and a place for coaching. You'll recall when we explored the skill will matrix as part of the performance management sessions, we identified a number of situations whereby coaching could be advantageous, but also some opportunities for training as well. So you're going to need to use your judgment with regards to when coaching or training is the most appropriate route. Certainly if somebody needs to build new ideas, take new approaches to stuff, needs focus, motivation or to build confidence, coaching will help. However, if they're building up their knowledge or developing new skills, perhaps training is the more appropriate route. There's also a big watch out here, and we've kind of touched on it right at the start of this session. Know the boundaries of your expertise. There is a grey area between coaching and therapy. And I'd suggest if you've somebody who's experiencing perhaps well-being challenges, tap into the resources available from your HR department or where appropriate, point them in the direction of a professional. Be very cautious not to overstep what's professional and appropriate here. Now, before we wrap up and I give you a heads up as to what the next session is all about, here's some additional support material that you might find uh, helpful. Sir John Whitmore, Coaching for Performance. Now, Sir John Whitmore is the gentleman who's actually behind the creation of the GROW model that we're going to go into more detail about on the uh, second podcast in this series. Uh, The Complete Handbook of Coaching by Elaine Cox. And then there's also Carol Dweck's Mindset. A great audio book that you may find useful too is Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins. And there's also a great podcast series by Phil Goddard called The Coaching Life. So go check those out as well if you want to enrich your coaching experience. Right, okay, that's it for this session. Next up, we'll actually get into coaching somebody. See you there.